Welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. I'm your host Deepak Sharma and this podcast aims to connect different communities under the premise that we're all fundamentally the same. We tend to overcomplicate most things in life. This podcast is really just a conversation and it's not that deep. This week's guest is Kursi Maharaj. After graduating from the Telford School of Management with a specialization in human resources, Kersey's career journey led her to becoming the human resources business partner at Invest Ottawa. If that wasn't cool enough, Kersey also won a human resources award, being named as Canada's rising HR star. She's also a mentor, the owner of her own condo, and is absolutely crushing it in all areas of life. In this podcast, we talk about Kersey's passion for HR. We dive into her journey, wake-up calls, and taking extreme ownership for her own life choices. We also discuss some real practical strategies she used to overcome her quarter-life crisis, as well as some tips to stand out from the crowd when applying for your dream job. Today's podcast is sponsored by Podpack Solutions. When I started a podcast, I had no idea how much time and effort goes into editing and putting out content every week. That doesn't stop me from doing it, but it can be a roadblock for many busy people and businesses to get started. Podpack Solutions will help you create, launch, produce, edit, distribute, and even grow a podcast for your business or brand. Our mission is to take the pain out of podcasting, so you just have to hit record. I hope you enjoy this episode. Just remember, it's not that deep. Kersey, welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Uh, thanks for taking the time to come out here. Uh, you're, you're, you really genuinely inspire me. Your hustle is amazing. Uh, I, I genuinely look up to like, you know, your story and everything that you've done and accomplished to this point. I, I'll give the people a little bit of an intro um, on you. You've graduated from the Telford School of Management. That's how I know you um, with a specialization in human resources. Uh, and you've had an incredible journey. That's led you to your current role as a human resources business planner, which we're definitely going to get into. We're going to talk about that. So partner, partner, sorry, partner. Okay. Sometimes the P confuses people. HRBP, <laughs> human resources business partner. It's a, it's human a- resources business partner. It is a bit of a mouthful, but we got it. <laughs> we're back um, at Invest Ottawa. And um, you were also named a Canadian HR rising star. Um, you're also a mentor, uh, you own your own condo, and you're just crushing it in all areas of life. So very excited to have you here. Um, let's, start with, let's start from the, kind of the beginning a little bit. Let's talk about, you know, you were raised in Ottawa. Let's talk about your story leading up to choosing human resources in university. Yeah, absolutely. So Ottawa native, born and raised, um, super proud to be from Ottawa. I know a lot of people will you know, grow up here and then say, you know, I need to escape to a new city. Um, I can't lie. At first, that was my game plan, right? So um, I grew up playing softball and um, my vision, my um, dream at that time when I was in high school was to be able to go play softball in the States. That was really what I wanted to do. Um, And then things change, right? Like life is not linear. Life uh, never goes as planned. And I think um, I've learned to deal with that. You know, I used to definitely say I was type A, I was OCD. I had to have a plan and have it structured, but life didn't go as planned. And um, I decided to stay in Ottawa, having my family here, being here for my family, 
family is something that's huge to me. So uh, I ended up staying in Ottawa. I definitely got to, um, you know, play into my athletic side and I played U Ottawa GG softball uh, for at least one year, which was exciting. But I ended up um, at U Ottawa in business. And really the reason why I picked U Ottawa business, my brother was in finance. He's two years older than I was. My dad was an accountant. Um, I really just felt like it was uh, something that um, was close to home. And, and definitely when you're young, you know, I feel like, I don't know if you went through the same experience when you're in high school and you're trying to map out what courses to take to get into a program. At that point in your life, you're like, I don't know what I want to do, right? <laughs> so it was that whole challenge of my brother and my dad, you know, I, I don't like to thank them, but I do thank them for convincing me to go into commerce. And uh, uh, like many others, I, I started in no option. So I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, knew I wanted to do business. Originally, I thought I was going to do accounting, which anybody who knows me would like fall out of their chair if they thought that I was going to be an accountant. But uh, I thought I was going to do accounting. And again, um, just being faced with the reality of not knowing what I wanted to do, what course, what um, specialization would work for me, I kind of fell backwards into HR. So, um, I, for any of those other Telfer grads out there, um, OB, do you remember the course OB, the organization yep. class? Yep. 100%. So most people, most people hated it. They're like, I hate this class. There's so many, I don't know what prof you had, but uh, do you remember what prof you had? Um, uh, Magda Danya, was that her name? Danya. Yeah. I want to say, <laughs> I think totally. that's her name. Yeah. Yeah, but that class honestly inspired me. I was like, wow, this is such a good mix between business fundamentals and psychology. Mm. Um, and that really piqued my interest. And I'm like, is that what HR is? Because if yes, like sign me up. I can <laughs> want to do this. Um, and that's kind of how I fell backward in, backwards into HR. That's, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, obviously. Um, you know, starting with Ottawa, and and the role that that has played in your journey. I mean, I think we all at one point were like, "Screw this place! We gotta, I gotta get out of here! Like, I cannot stay in this city. It's not where I'm gonna grow. It's not where I'm gonna prosper." I, I my I see friends leaving, and I see people living um, better, seemingly better lives elsewhere. And uh, you know, I could relate that. You know, for the longest time, I was that guy too. Like man i can't wait to go to toronto yeah. or vancouver or anywhere else in the world right and um yeah so that has changed as well and i've learned to embrace the city and the great things it has to offer i still haven't come around on winter so much um so i'm i'm trying to plan my life to leave ottawa for those months but you know one day right uh but then you also mentioned something really interesting about you know something that i find a lot of us, not everyone, but a lot of us go through, it's not knowing what the hell we want to do with our lives. And quite frankly, asking a 16, 17 year old to have that all figured out and all the courses mapped out and planned out, uh, you know, years in advance is, it, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like you're not, you're not going to have that clear vision of what's, what's to come. And um, kind of my last comment there is, like I still haven't figured it out and I, I still haven't figured out what I want to do. And I'm very much just taking it day by day and like 
nudging towards things that I enjoy a little bit more. I think this is one of them. And then also, uh, like kind of like another thing that you talked about was HR and how you fell backwards into it. So human resources to me, from the outside looking in, before that course, I didn't even know what it was. All I knew was like, Oh, like Karen and HR, like you gotta, you gotta, like, you know, the memes, like you'd, you'd be like, Oh, you gotta go, you gotta go, you you better not do something stupid or you're going to get in trouble with HR. That was the extent of like what I knew as HR, like, okay, well they help you get hired or something like that. But we'll definitely dispel that and go into kind of the weeds of what human resources uh, is. But then now kind of take me through your uni ju- uh, university journey a little bit further and some of the things you were involved in and like what, what occupied your time the most in school? Sure. Yeah. And one of the biggest things I want to echo is that, you know, um, nobody has it all figured out. In, in whatever stage of life, nobody has it all figured out. And I think that that's the biggest misconception um, that people have. They look at success and they're like, oh my goodness, like they know exactly where they're going. Um, letting that go has been the most therapeutic thing I could have done for myself. Letting go of not needing to know exactly where I'm going and what the plan is. So I just want to echo that. And I mean, in terms of my university journey, Um, when I started out, um, you know, again, because I was so lost because I, in, in first and second year, I was taking those courses, like the managerial accounting Mm -hmm. and stats. And and as you can imagine as an HR grad, I don't want to say anything poorly about HR grads, but for myself, like that was really difficult. So I, my GPA was low. I was struggling and again, trying to figure out what the hell I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Right. Um, and then I decided to go into HR, um, in my third year, that's when I really started, um, specializing, um, with those HR courses, right. So we're starting to take recruitment, um, in staffing, uh, training and development, compensation, like some of these core HR classes. And again, unless you're in HR, you wouldn't know all these multifacets of, of HR. And I started co-op as well. And um, for me, again, as a, a Telfer grad, I didn't go the typical route. I wasn't a part of uh, the Telfer clubs. I really wasn't as engaged in the, um, you know, the student associations and stuff. Um, but I decided I, I wanted to really gain experience through co-op. So um, I started again, the, you know, when I, my first resume as a co-op student, I'm pretty sure like all I had on my resume was like Nike, you know, like retail experience. Um, And um, I was worried I wasn't going to be able to get a job, but uh, I ended up at national defense for my first co-op in staffing. And, um, you know, that's all really that I needed to start pushing my career forward. Right. So I got into, um, that job, I was there for about four months and I stayed on part-time during another semester. Um, and really that was the stepping stone that I needed. Um, the next co-op term, uh, I got to work at, uh, PCL, uh, constructors. I don't know if you've ever heard of PCL before. Yep. Um, most people don't know it. And then they see that little circle, the logo, um, on most construction sites. Um, and that's when I got into private sector, right? So again, as a student, I got to, uh, have a taste of what it's like to work in a private sector generalist role. Um, and, um, I'm not going to lie to you, my transition from government 
to this fast-paced, uh, private sector, small team generalist role was not easy. Like mm. I, like my eyes were opened. It was, it was very difficult uh, for that transition, but um, it ultimately um, it paid dividends. Like I learned how I need to work. I got feedback. Um, I ultimately also figured out that I loved recruiting. So um, one of the things that I did during my term, and um, I would also recommend anybody who's doing co-op, also huge and co-op, it really gives you an opportunity to try new things before you jump into the um, working world. But um, I told my supervisor, hey, I want to try recruiting. Like, can I sit in on interviews with you? And that's where I sparked my love for recruitment. Um, I got to talk to people, right? Like you're just talking to people, you're getting to know their story, you're assessing if they would be, um, you know, a good new addition to a team, which is really exciting, right? So um, after I finished that, um, I had my last co-op term and uh, that was when I decided, you know, after having two really strong um, experiences under my belt, I wanted to do IT recruitment. And um, one of the things you'll notice about me is that um, I'm a huge fan and a huge viewer of, um, you know, manifesting things and really putting, setting your mind to something and, um, you know, not only just sitting in a room and saying, I'm going to get this, the universe is going to give it to me, but also taking um, action towards it. So I really told myself I want to do IT recruiting, private firm. That's exactly how I want to end my co-op career. Um, and then I got a position, a co-op with Pythian. So um, not sure how familiar you are with uh, Pythian um, Global IT uh, Company. And um, they had a, a, um, a dedicated talent acquisition team, and that's where I, I landed. So really got to um, see full cycle private recruitment in an IT context. Um, so that was kind of how I rounded out my career in, uh, in university. Um, I definitely think in my upper years, um, you know, I took a lot of seminars. I took a leadership seminar, um, that really helped me reflect on the type of person, business woman, leader that I want to be. Um, and I also got to sprinkle in a little bit of startup experience. Um, I got to uh, join Euphoria, which, uh, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, uh, Alman and Zach Princey and, and Haroon. Uh, I got to work alongside them. And boy, was that an experience. I absolutely tell people, if you want to stretch yourself, work in a startup, try it because mm -hmm. it's, um, definitely an experience that builds out not only your depth and whatever you're working in, but your breath. Like you don't have a full team to hire or onboard or, uh, do a lot of things. So you're figuring it out. Um, and it's all hands on deck uh, a lot of the time. So, um, that's pretty much my university experience summed up. Um, lots of different dynamic experiences that I got to uh, be a part of lots of really great opportunities that again, also kind of led me to have a strong, um, I don't want to say launch after graduation, but it definitely set me up well to, to dip my toes in a bunch of different experiences. So, and that's really like my biggest takeaway from that there is, you know, throughout your university experience, you know, although you mentioned that you were not you know, as involved in, in clubs per se, and that kind of stuff, 
that's not to say that you were just sitting on the sidelines doing nothing. You were out here hustling and you were getting tastes of every different type of, of like industry and every type of work that you could be doing. And so going from the government to the startup uh, and the, you know, private sector and, and just getting tastes of everything. And then also um, the IT, what made you like, what was the, the reason for the manifestation of the IT firm? Why, why did you want that? What was, what was it about Pythian that, or, you know, those kinds of firms that was like, now, you know what, I, I, that's a culture I want to like kind of be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that again, being the planner, being that forward thinking person that I am, I recognized, uh, especially in the HR world and especially in Ottawa, tech is huge. Like mm. it's huge. And, um, you know, you know this, that whether it's in the government, whether it's, you know, our private sector companies, um, there are so many big uh, tech giants in Ottawa. And, you know, being uh, being in the role that I'm at, you know, we have access to a lot of data that says that we have such a high concentration of IT talent in Ottawa. Um, I was forward thinking enough to say that um, I need this experience to be able to set myself up for success, right? And, you know, at that time when I thought that recruitment was the the pathway forward for me, that was where I was going to build my career. Um, I knew that there were enough IT firms, companies, um, opportunities for me if I were to jump into that space. Um, again, the the I don't want to say the old person that I was, but um, you know, Percy three years ago was very um, anxious about the future and, and security and job security and making mm-hmm. sure that, you know, I was able to provide for myself and, and for my family. Right. So um, that was a big part of it, understanding where the market was and understanding that there's a huge need for uh, IT recruiters. Um, that's kind of where I said, this is going to be the experience that really rounds out my portfolio in a way that will help me uh, be successful after graduation. So let's talk about that a little bit. And, you know, you talk about the old you in quotes and then the new you who, who is sitting in front of me today. Um, you know, talk, talk, to, talk to me about this quarter life crisis you described to me uh, having after university. Uh, talk to me about that and, and, you know, tell us about all of that. Totally. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I just want to say quarter life crisis for sure a real thing. Very real. <laughs> a real thing. And I think that, you know, I remember in one of my roles, I was one of the youngest people on the team and they used to make fun of me for being a millennial, right? And they're like, oh, you know, you're you're that millennial, you need that Starbucks, you need to feel like you're special, right? Um, and I think that a lot of times, I, like for, for real, people would make fun of me. I would laugh it off, but I think that you know, talking about things like this idea of a quarter life crisis, um, the more I say it, the more people are like, yeah, I'm totally experiencing that. Or I, I was going through that or, oh my gosh, that's going to happen to me. Right. So it's a, it's a common, um, thread, I guess that we all have kind of sewn into us. But, Mm -hmm. um, for me, again, it's funny, I'm talking about how excited I was to start recruiting. Um, after graduation, I got in a full-time job at Pythian. And um, so I was working full-time and I graduated, I think it was about um, maybe six months into my job there. I started feeling um, 
a little stagnant. Like I was like, is this really what the rest of my life is going to be like? Right. Like in school, we, I don't know that we appreciate it as much. I know I certainly did the idea that I could wake up, I could go to the gym, I could, you know, go to school, I can study. And I had that power over my own schedule. And then, you know, fast forward to uh, the real working life for me at that time, I was, you know, eight to five, six, seven, some nights, um, and in the office. And, um, there was definitely a lot of other things happening in my life. And I think I talked to you a little bit about this and some of the people that know me fairly well, um, my mom was battling with cancer and, um, you know, having to support, my family in a meaningful way, um, that additional pressure and then going to work. Um, it was a lot, it was a lot. And, um, you know, I was getting chest pains. Like I was feeling stressed constantly and it wasn't until my mom actually passed away that I said, and pardon my French, I was like, this, mm-hmm. this, like, I can't waste another day of my life going through the motions and, you know, waking up, hitting my alarm, getting ready, going to the office, putting in a full day's work, pounding back five coffees mm-hmm. day, um, to go home, hit the gym, eat dinner and repeat. Like I just couldn't settle for that life anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's when I said, Nope, I need to, take control of my life, right? Like no one, I think that's when I realized no one is going to come in and save you from your reality. No one's going to come in and and make those changes for you, right? And Mm -hmm. that's why I said, you know, yes, manifesting the life that you want and being in tune um, with yourself, energy-wise, spirituality, very important. But there's also that conscious, intentional action that you also need to take, right? Mm -hmm. to be able to get to where you want. So that's kind of that, um, quarter life crisis that I was experiencing that I just wasn't okay with settling with this life that I wasn't happy with. Right. Um, And that's when I took that inspired action. And I said, Nope, I'm going to flip this all on its head and I'm going to create a life that I'm excited to wake up. Um, and you know, take the day. I love that. That fires me up so much. And, you know, obviously, you know, an extremely uh, a catalyzing moment in your life when obviously losing your mother and going through all that, not knowing, you know, is this something that I want to be doing and stagnating and all those things kind of happening all at once. It's, you know, you hit an inflection point where you're just like, well, am I just going to continue living like this and feeling like this and, you know, perpetuating whatever's going on, or am I going to do something about it? And, you know, as we're sitting here, you did something about it. And like, that's one thing I commend you. That's, that's incredible. And like, hats off to you that that's awesome. How you've kind of, like you said, flipped it on its head and took charge of, you know, your own destiny. And it's not to sound all like woohoo, like you just sat down and just like all you had was like, just, I don't know, like just a vision board and then did nothing, nothing, no steps to get there. You actually, you know, and, and correct me if I'm putting like words like in your mouth right now, but like, you know, you reverse engineered the person you wanted to be 
and you decided, like you made a conscious decision that you're going to do something else. And so talk to me about what, what some of those tough conversations you had to have with yourself about your current situation. Uh, what were those like and what were you going to do about it? Like in, in those moments? For sure. For sure. And, um, again, echoing what you're saying, I call it inspired action, right? Mm. Like not to say that I didn't meditate, not to say that I didn't reflect and take a step back and say, what do I want? And, and that I didn't create a vision board because I totally did. And I'm the type, but it, the, the difference for me is taking that inspired action, not just sitting there and saying, okay, I have my vision board. It's right here. I'm going to look at it every day. Like, what are you going to do about it? Right. Mm-hmm. And I love that the way you said that it's having difficult conversations with yourself. So when I talked about the old cursey versus the new cursey, I was afraid to take risks. I would sit there and say, okay, I'm going to leave my steady full-time job. Well, where am I going to go? Like, what am I going to do? Um, and you know, I'm going to, so some of the, some of the conversations I had was around work, right? Definitely about relationships in my life, about how I treated myself when it comes to, you know, my health, um, what I eat, um, you know, exercising. All, these were all the conversations that I was having with myself, right? Like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was difficult for anybody who's been in a situation where you're a caregiver, then taking all of that energy and when I say caregiver, I mean, I was uh, working very closely, taking care of my mom mm-hmm. and taking all that time and energy and you're like, what now? Right. Mm-hmm. So what I decided when I was having all those conversations in my head, what the hell are you going to do? What's your next step? What's your plan? You know, you're unhappy, but how are you going to get to a level where you are happy? I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take all the energy and the love that I used to give to my mother and I'm going to give it to myself. Right. And that sounds again, so corny. Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) um, But it honestly, I recommend it to so many people. Take that time, take that energy, take that love and give it to yourself Mm -hmm. in whatever way your body needs it. Right. So I'm reflecting back to that summer. It was, um, you know, was it, it was two years ago, summer, I started hitting the gym more, right? Um, I started sleeping better. I started doing more meditation, right? I, um, you know, as a result of me needing to um, find myself again, quote unquote, or give love to myself, I ended a long-term relationship I was in, right? So I decided that, I was going to really start fresh. And that's kind of how that ball started rolling. I really started getting in tune with myself. And one of the biggest things I say about meditation, especially, and for some people, they're like, I can't meditate. Like, I just don't get it. Right. Meditating for me really helped me understand who I am as a person, but also to connect with my own energy, to understand what does my body need? Because at different times in my life, at different times in my day, my body and I need different things. And listening and being in tune with myself has helped me say, okay, you know, I'm stressed out. Well, what kind of stress am I facing? Am I, am I anxious? Am I overworked with work? Okay, you know what? I'm feeling, I'm understanding what I need. I'm going to go for a walk. 
or I'm going to go hit the gym and do a heavy workout, or I'm going to have a tea and relax, right? Mm -hmm. Those three are different responses that you could have to stress, but understanding, and, and you probably know, like some days when you're stressed, but you're, you're feeling low energy and maybe a gym workout is going to actually do a lot more harm than, um, it would on a different day. So Mm -hmm. meditation and being more in tune with myself helped me understand exactly what my body needs. Um, and that also really helped me during that summer, uh, and maybe spilling into fall to be able to, um, really create that plan for me or create that solid footing for me to then go and experience that growth that I did. And yeah, so if I can kind of add to that, you know, with with the meditation, you know, from what I'm hearing, it leaked into mindfulness. And this basically became a mechanism for you to basically navigate the challenges that you're going to continue to face. These They're not just going to go away. It's not just because, you know, you wiped the slate clean, you started going to the gym, you started taking care of, you know, all these areas of your life that now everything's happy, go lucky. And you know what? Now you're this finished product and everything's all good. No, those things are still going to come up. You're still going to feel crappy sometimes. You're going to feel really high and great. Other times you're going to get awards. You're going to get, th- like things are going to happen life's obviously a roller coaster and like you said it's very much not linear so that's something that i i personally have have been um impacted by as well is you know and and i i can't say i'm a master meditator or anything i only i try to do like 10 minutes you know three or four times a week but even that has helped me uh kind of be able to not only just switch my brain my mind off which is very powerful, but then also uh, just recognize what a moment is. And like that, that's basically all life is at the end of the day. No, it's like, it's just, it's it's just a collection of moments. And so I used to be the type of person and and I know like people listening to this right now are going to be like, man, you tell the same story all the time, but whatever, man, it's my podcast. So (laughs) basically when I used to drive and you know how auto drivers can be sometimes, you know, I, I would get road rage. I would absolutely like, like a rage on the road. If someone cut me off or put me in danger or any kind of any, I don't know what the, whatever happens. Right. And I would like, I would chase some people sometimes I would like do dumb. And you know, ever since I started kind of meditating and being a little bit more mindful and practicing journaling and like doing all these kinds of things and like feeling the feelings that I have, you become so much more like, oh, you still feel the rage, the the instant rage, but it's like, okay, I'm experiencing anger right now. Why? Okay, well, you you know what? It's it's not that deep. It's fine. It's okay. It's not that big of a deal. Guy probably had to go somewhere. No problem. It's all good. I'm safe. Nothing happened. We're good. And so that like little shift and like I bring that example up because it's also very relatable, but that leaks into so many different areas of my life. And like you said, having the tea or, you know, going for that walk or, you know, not going to the gym and, you know, what we got going on right now with this virus and everybody having to be isolated and it's definitely already having an effect on so many people's mental health. It's like, don't beat yourself up if all you're doing is scrolling your Instagram feed and you see people working out and doing push-ups or this or that or whatever. Don't feel like you have to. 
But at the same time, you know, if I, I, I could kind of hold both views, it also helps a lot to work out. I always feel better when I do. So be in tune with your body, re- recognize what's going on. And that's why like, I love this. I knew this is going to be like a really awesome conversation about dealing with, you know, those kinds of things that are going to come up. But that that's that's amazing. I love that so much. But we could honestly sit here and just talk about this for the whole podcast. So I do like we should probably switch gears and kind of talk a little bit about uh, your next uh, you know job career that you embarked on, how that came about, and yeah. let's yeah, let's talk about it. Absolutely. So um, and again, I think. Um, I was clear after I was in recruiting for some time that um, maybe it wasn't for me, right? Like, and I don't want to say it wasn't for me, but not full-time dedicated recruiting. Um, it, I felt like a revolving door, right? Like I'd meet so many great people, but if they weren't going to be hired, it was goodbye, see you never type of thing, right? So um, I had reflected on what I wanted and I realized that I wanted an HR generalist role again, right? Like that variety. So, um, I had started, uh, casually looking for work and, um, it was funny. I was, um, I remember this moment, um, like it was just yesterday. I was, I had take some time off and I was in Montreal with some friends and I got a message on LinkedIn from, um, somebody who used, I used to go to school with and they were working for a recruitment agency on behalf of, and you know, when recruiters reach out to you, they don't really say, you know, what organization it is, um, on behalf of uh, Ottawa's leading economic development agency. And they were looking for, right. In, in the, in the formal terms, um, they were looking for a, a HR coordinator and I said, okay, like I'll absolutely take the call. And I always tell people, take the call. Even if you're not actively looking, even if the position isn't really exactly what you think you want, take the call. The worst thing that you'll do is say, this isn't for me. Um, the best thing could be, it's actually your next most exciting role that you have kind of lined up. So, um, yeah, I took the call and, um, I remember looking at, uh, one of my friends and I said, I think this is invest Ottawa. Like, I think it's invest Ottawa, um, took the call, found out it was invest Ottawa and I was stoked. And, um, for me, um, going throughout university, going to legacy conference, like seeing all the entrepreneurial grind, Invest Ottawa was always something that I was like, really cool. I would love to be involved in some capacity later down the line. Um, and like, who knew it? They were looking for an HR coordinator. And I remember at the time I thought, this is kind of a lateral move for me. Right. And again, for, um, you know, high achievers, (laughs) you know, skyrocket and every new position they take on, I thought, this is going to be a lateral move for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like especially in titles. And I took a step back and I said, yes, potentially, you know, I'm going from coordinator to coordinator role, but, um, this is a wicked opportunity, right? Like, uh, working with my now VP who is an absolute, like she's a rock star in HR. She has so many years under her belt working directly with her. So it would be two person team and being able to do full cycle HR, like from top to bottom, right? So yes, including recruiting, but I would be able to work on training and development programs and um, just employee programs in general and compensation and onboarding and offboarding. So it was that variety that I was excited about. So um, I 
interviewed, uh, and I ultimately accepted a job and jumped into that role. And, um, what was really exciting and, and this is why, like one of the lessons I always share back, forget the title, forget the title because I jumped into an HR coordinator role. Right. And I, you know, once I started jumping in and, um, I was gaining credibility with some managers and with the team and, uh, with the staff, um, I was able to, and once I was kind of feeling comfortable with, I don't even want to say once I was feeling comfortable, if anybody knows my manager, she's really just kind of a jump in two feet type of person. Um, but I started taking on more once I started figuring out, okay, I know how things work started taking on more and showing initiative and asking for more and more despite my job description, despite, despite my title, despite my pay grade. I said, no, this is a crazy opportunity. Uh, I'd be stupid not to continue to grow, uh, both depth and breadth uh, while I have this opportunity. So, um, continued to grind at my job. Um, really, um, I, 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 it's kind of awkward for me to say this, but I built that credibility of being a hard worker and being somebody that, um, people can trust and, um, you know, grinded for about a year until, um, it was January of this year that, um, I officially got my promotion and that's when I, uh, got my title, I changed to human resources business partner. And for those of you who uh, might not be as familiar with uh, that title. It's like kind of, me. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. That's why I usually say HRBP and people are like, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. Explain what that is. Yeah. So really um, the purpose of a human resources business partner is to partner with the business, with business lines to be able to support them. That's really what it is. Um, so it was ironic because, you know, people would say, congratulations on your promotion. And, um, I would say, well, you know what? The role that I'm doing is not much different from the role <laughs> that I've been doing um, for the past year. It's really now that I just have that title that recognizes the work that I'm doing. So um, I tell people, don't be intimidated or um, you know, turned off by a title because you can really jump in and make a role um, what you want it to be. You can bring that flavor to it. You can take that initiative and prove to a team, Hey, you know what? She's actually a business partner. She's not a coordinator. She's not, you know, scheduling interviews and, and, uh, coordinating programs. No, she's developing and leading them and working very closely with the team. So, um, that's kind of where I got. Um, and I know that there's a couple of pieces that I want to address, but I want you to be able to jump in because some of the things that I was um, experiencing, I know we talked about this, the idea of, you know, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was no, I, I, we're definitely going to dive into that. I think it's, it's amazing that you were able to grow into a role. And I like what you said about forget the title, forget the pay, forget all those things. If it, if it feels right, that it's something that you could bring value to. And that's not to say you didn't work hard. Like you even said it yourself. And I saw that that even made you a little bit uncomfortable to say, but yeah. you, you definitely do work, work hard. And so, mm -hmm. and that's why kind of you're rewarded with a title, even though you were already doing the work, but I think there's a really important lesson in there and it's that, you know, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, right? But, and this is something I've learned from some other people and you mentioned Alaman as well. And, you know, yeah. he was specifically telling a story on our episode together that, you know, 
he started, you know, assuming the responsibilities of the role that he wanted before he even got it. So, totally. you know, talk us through that specifically there, not just in the context of your own job, but for other people out there who are in a certain position and want to get to that next level. And then we'll dive a bit more into the imposter yeah. syndrome stuff. Absolutely. And um, Alman's a great example um, of someone really jumping in. And and the thing is, I think, um, even just to take it even a bigger step back, um, young professionals, right? Um, why do employers like to hire young professionals? One of the things is that initiative, that curiosity, that drive, that motivation, right? Um, you know, the stereotypical, um, you know, young professional right out of university, you know, a year experience, they're hungry. And um, in my last job, when people would call me a millennial, I'd say, you know what, I'm going to lean into that. And that means that, yes, you think I'm a millennial, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to play up on all those positives. I'm going to real push that, really push it, right? So what I recommend to people is, you know, Yes, forget about the title, forget about the pay right now, right? Um, that experience that you're going to gain, that opportunity is um, more important. And looking ahead enough to say, you know, yes, this isn't going to be my forever job, but the opportunity to grow with leaders, to be able to be mentored, to, um, for me, it was be on a small enough team that I could create that next position for myself, something else to consider, um, is super important. So for other people, I would say, jump in with two feet, mm -hmm. jump in, right? And as Alman said, absolutely look to add value as much as you can, right? And you know, I would be um, lying to you if I told you that in my first, second day, I was already, you know, I had it all under my belt. I knew exactly what I was doing. I was overqualified and I should have been HRBP week two. No, right? You have to put in the work. You really have to put in the work you need to, especially um, for support functions similar to HR, you need to understand the business, right? Mm -hmm. Take the time to understand the business, the model, um, whether it's, you know, IT and understand the, the system, the software, the services, or for me, a not-for-profit understanding the programs and the community and the outreach, right? Be so well-versed in whatever it is that your organization is doing. And then you need to take opportunities to stretch yourself, right? So again, for some people, that might be after a month or two of understanding what their role is, uh, really being able to say that they're uh, accomplishing their goals. But for others, it might be six months. It might be a year, right? But finding those opportunities to stretch yourself and um, I think, again, having a really strong relationship with your manager and communicating that is also crucial. I can't say it enough that, you know, if you're looking to grow in, so for example, for myself, I knew I wanted to work with more strategy and employee relations, right? And I was upfront with my manager. This is an area where I want to gain experience. So you know what she did? I'm again, I'm lucky. I have a really great manager, but she said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to loop you in as much as possible when there are opportunities to stretch yourself in that way. And she would challenge me and push me and say, if you were in this situation, what would you do? Right? So really being able to, um, whether your manager gives them to you or asking to 
have those opportunities to have projects or be um, in situations where you really can stretch yourself, that not only gives you those skills to be able to say, yes, I did that, but it shows your manager that you're capable, right? It shows your manager. It's giving you that opportunity to, um, and pardon the, the baseball um, quote, but really knock it out of the park. Like you're getting a law ball, knock it out of the park, right? Show them that you're capable of it. So that would be kind of my addition to what you had said. It's like taking those opportunities to stretch yourself, Mm -hmm. but also communicating with your manager. Um, and you know, some managers will ask these questions and they'll have more of a coaching mentality. But if you don't have a manager that has that mentality, that's not an excuse for you to not then ask those questions or bring those topics up in your one-on-ones and say, this is where I want to grow in the organization. How can you help me get there? Right. Mm. What can I do to stretch myself, to jump on a project, even if it's as simple as, and I remember I said this in an interview with, um, invest Ottawa, because I said, I love learning. And some people will say, you know what, this person's going to get bored. They're not going to be learning as much. The rule might not be able to expand. Maybe we should pass on them. So what I tell people when I'm giving advice about interviewing, if you are, if you have that high growth and learning attitude, it was as simple as me saying, yes, I understand I have a role um, and um, I need to be able to fulfill the duties of my role. But learning, I don't mean that I need to continue to do more high value work and and forget about the work that I was supposed to be doing. It's as little as sitting in on different team meetings or, you know, having coffee with, um, you know, a VP of sales or whatever the case is so that you can continue to stimulate your, your brain and learn more about the organization or the processes or whatever the business is. It could be something as simple as sitting in on an interview or a meeting so that you can learn, um, and changing and, and kind of, um, uh, changing the perception of people that conti- that want to continue to learn to something more positive, I think that also really uh, has a high impact. So build the foundation, reach out uh, to managers, and build that relationship, and and go for stretch activities, go for things that are going to stretch you. But then yeah. that kind of that kind of does like it's a easy segue into kind of our next topic because mm-hmm. you know. It sounds great. It it's it makes a lot of sense that yeah, you know, like I should be trying to take on more projects. I should be, you know, once I got the basics down and I know my role very well and I'm familiar with it, going to the next level, yeah, I should be going that extra mile, knocking yeah. it out of the park. But oftentimes you don't have experience doing those things yet. And so it can be a very scary thing. And so sure. you hear this thrown around thrown around a lot, sorry, um, that, you know, you should fake it till you make it. Yeah. How, how do you feel about that statement? And how does that relate to imposter syndrome? Oh, that's a real good question. <laughs> that's a really good question. And again, um, I, I've been lucky enough to have mentors in my life and in my career um, in so many different ways. And I think that a lot of my um, a lot of my mentality, a lot of the way that I work comes from sports. And, you know, you put on a game face, you put on a game face a lot of the times, right? And I think that, you know, the idea behind the saying, fake it till you make it, 
is absolutely valid. But when you start saying, using the words, and I'm very, uh, my, my previous VP um, and still mentor, we still connect, she always reminds me to be conscious of the words that I'm using. So when you use the word fake, what are you telling yourself? You're telling yourself that this is not you, mm-hmm. right? That you're maybe um, being um, deceiving, right? The word fake has so many negative connotations to it, right? Again, the idea behind faking it till you make it, I 100% agree. But um, changing the way that we speak to ourselves and the vocabulary we use is very powerful. So when I was in those situations, absolutely, there were times where, you know, my manager, again, she would say, my my VP would say, you're going to do this. And I'm like, really? (laughs) I... I have no clue what to do, right? <laughs> but what I would tell myself was, I'm putting on a game face and I'm going to figure it out, right? Um, and I think that, again, sometimes it might sound crazy, but that positive self-talk is huge because, um, again, if we were to dissect that situation, okay, for example, you know, um, you're in a job and your manager goes, I need you to give a presentation on this to the entire organization, and you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but inside you're like, holy, holy, I can't do this. I don't know how to do it. Um, I'm going to embarrass myself. Um, this is going to be awful, right? One of the things I've learned is positive self-talk. Okay, so I just had four really negative statements, right? Mm-hmm. If I were to go back to the first one, holy, I can't do this, right? How do I address that? You know what? My manager is giving me this task because I think they think I can do this. So you know what? I think I can do this, right? That's just the first one, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know how the hell I'm going to do this. Guess what? I am resourceful. There is Google for goodness sake, if I can't figure out how to do it, right? I am going to figure it out, right? Um, I'm going to look stupid is another one, right? Well, guess what? If you're worried about looking stupid, you know that material, you practice that until you are sing it in your sleep. Right. Mm. So I think that, you know, the whole faking it till you make it, or the way that I say, put your game face on and go, um, is the way that I definitely, um, would phrase it instead of faking it till you make it. But it is a reality that we all face, right? Because especially people like we're young in our careers. We don't have five years experience giving presentations to an entire organization or, you know, two years experience, um, you know, landing sales calls, whatever it is, right. We don't have all those years of experience, but instead of thinking about it in that negative tone, what do I have? What skills do I currently have that are transferable in my toolbox, in my repertoire that are going to help me quote unquote, knock it out of the park? Well, you know, likely you're resourceful, Uh, If you need to, you can talk to people, you can practice, you can lean in on whatever experience that you've already gained to date that would help you in whatever stretch project or challenge that you're quote unquote faking it till you make it. So I tell people, don't say that you're faking it because it's just, it just sounds so negative. Put a game face on and just go with it. Jump in two feet and make sure that you have whatever it is you need to be successful and just go. You need a podcast. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Basically flipping the script and and flipping yeah. everything on its head and and the words you use are very important and that's that's very true. You know, we have a lot of negative self-talk and uh so I I think I heard somewhere somebody say that like we have something like 70,000 thoughts in a day and 90% of them are negative. So imagine if you could start changing some of those you you actually start to believe it and i started doing something recently and like yeah. uh i i do morning affirmations so yeah. i actually say things out loud i just want to clap that, for you thank I'm you so, that's awesome <laughs> it, it sounds super weird and if everyone if anyone were in my apartment listening to me in the morning yeah. it would be like who's this freak what's going who's on you talking here? to yeah, yeah. who's this guy talking to actually it's it's i'm I'll, I'll be like completely honest i do it in the shower so it's even more weird it's like you know echoing in the bathroom i got some yeah. weird motivational music playing <laughs> anyways you know it's it's an exercise that i started doing and yeah. you know it's because i've heard that it actually your brain starts to actually believe it yes. you can't actually tell like our brain can't actually tell the difference no. um, between you saying something that um you know is negative or positive it's just going to take it literally whatever you're saying and i've actually genuinely seen that in my life and yeah. you know things that would have scared me before and you know i might have been way more nervous to even get on a podcast like yeah. i in my first few episodes if you look at them i had to have some kind of alcoholic beverage For to, sure. to kind of just like calm my nerves down and now it's like i've i've done four in the last four days four four different podcasts in a row now. I would have never thought that I could be that person, but now I'm like I'm like yeah, I am that person and this is how yes. being that person makes me feel and this is what I want to give to the world and this is what I want to put out there. So, you know, as woohoo and weird as it might sound, there's actual like there's actually something there and you know, sure. if it can if anyone can even start with one or two things just say a couple positive things in the morning see how it makes you feel like yeah, i love that that's that's very powerful right there let's uh let's dive a little bit more though into you know what a lot of people and even myself uh to this day are afflicted with and it is that imposter syndrome it is yeah. that um you know no matter what you have accomplished i catch myself often downplaying with what i've done up to this point and like um uh, you know oh i'm i'm a i'm a noob like i'm just getting started i'm yeah. very much oh i haven't I'm, i'm i'm very lucky you know i was able to buy the equipment i'm very lucky you know like i I've, i've got a job where you know i don't have to work the longest hours into the night and then in the yeah. evening i can work on this kind of thing but mm-hmm. you know i i very much am affected by that myself and you know a lot of other endeavors that i have in my life and things that i'm trying to learn and grow in I often get caught up in oh man what the hell am I doing like I don't know anything about sales like I've never done sales calls I've never done this I've never done yeah. that never delivered a marketing presentation I, like but you know how do you, how do you kind of rewire that and I know you're it's going to be a lot of what you've already mentioned but what are some other kind of tangible things you could do to flip that Totally and um it's funny that you segue that way because a lot of it even what you how you explained imposter syndrome is negative self talk like that is what it is right it's us getting up in our brain saying 
maybe I shouldn't be here. Like, oh my goodness, if somebody actually knew who I was, they would never give me this responsibility, right? <laughs> and um, it's funny, right? And that's why I say, don't use the word fake because you're not being fake. And I want to highlight one of the examples that I think really, um, it was a small example, but since I overcame that, that has helped me rewire the way that I think. So back when I was at Pythian, um, I was approached to be a mentor. And, um, so what that was, and again, I was like, I'm 23 years old. Who would want to be mentored by me? Right. Uh, So uh, I was approached to be a mentor for this fantastic, um, um, organization called Intac. So what they do is they help uh, new, um, skilled immigrants find roles and opportunities here uh, in Ottawa. So, um, having the talent acquisition background that I did, someone said, Hey, you'd be really great. Jump on board. And I'm like, most of the people that are going to be in the room are going to be twice my age. They are going to have twice the amount of experience that I have. Who the hell is going to want to be picked to be matched with me? Like no one. And I was like, Oh my God. Like I said, yes. Right. And then I was like, like freaking out, right. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. Um, I remember, um, you know, getting in my car, driving to that first meeting. And um, I think the things that I did to prepare myself, one of them was I dressed the part, right? Like I, I said, you know what? They're, they're not going to know I'm a 23-year-old. I'm going to dress. I'm going to look the part. Uh, and that's going to help me act the part, right? And, um, and then when I got there, I realized that, you know what? Like half of the stuff that we're talking about is what I do every day in my job. Oh my God, maybe I'm actually supposed to be here. And I remember when we got matched, there were a number of people that wanted to be matched with me. Right. And, um, throughout that experience, I had to rewire the way I was talking to myself and remind myself I've worked hard to get to where I am. Right. It wasn't like I woke up and it was funny. I just watched Jumanji. It's not like I just lost a life and I'm getting dropped into this situation. Right. Mm -hmm. I've taken actions and steps to get exactly to where I am today. I deserve to be here. And a lot of that, again, is that self-talk. I deserve to be here. I've worked hard. I've earned this and I'm going to take this opportunity and run with it. And again, a lot of it is a lot easier said than done. But once you start talking to yourself in a positive way, like you said, whether it's through these daily affirmations, um, you start to one of the best sayings is we, we wouldn't talk to ourselves the way that we talk to our best friend. So why don't we talk to ourselves like we would talk to our best friend and have that conversation. You deserve this, right? Mm -hmm. As simple as that. You've worked hard. You deserve to be where you are. And the more you start to, you know, have that positive talk, you will see how much of a difference it makes. And again, I can't lie and say that, you know, I am the most grounded and I don't ever face this challenge even today, right? Some days I feel myself, someone says, oh, you know, what's your title? And I go, you know, I'm a HRBP, right? You know what I mean? Like I feel myself crawling back into that shell and wanting to, you know, feeling that real imposter syndrome. But the more everything in life is like a muscle, you have to exercise it, right? You have to exercise it and feel more comfortable with yourself. And I think it comes with confidence. I think it comes with that positive self-talk to remind yourself, um, you know, I'm exactly where I need to be. I have taken every single step 
from, you know, birth to where I am today to get to where I am. I deserve to be here. I've worked hard. I've put in the work and, um, nobody can question that. Right. So I think that would probably be my way of combating that. Right. And so it's not being blind to reality. It's very much just changing how you're viewing whatever that reality is and, and recognizing your part that you've had in it. Now kind of switching gears a little bit. And like, I, I know we could talk about the mentorship and all the amazing things you're doing so much, but I kind of wanted to touch on a topic that I personally don't know much about, and I'm sure you could speak on, but is, you know, kind of what role do you think uh, being a woman in a role like you're doing right now and up until now, how has that kind of affected, uh, you know, the things that you're doing and how has it kind of, I'm not really sure how to word this, but how, yeah. how, how could it have, how did it, how did you have to navigate it differently than otherwise? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a, that's a really big question. <laughs> that's a really big question. And I think that in my previous role, um, I experienced challenges. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, when I was working in it, um, I was a young Brown female, right? Mm. Full of energy, smiley, cursy. Here I am. Right. And I experienced challenges working with, um, you know, a primarily male team. I, I can't lie to you. And, um, a lot of that, um, it took a lot of reflection for me to say, this is not me. This is not because of what I'm doing. This could be because of other people, external factors that I need to let go. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I were to shift to the positive side in my role right now, um, I have one of those characteristics. I have some of the characteristics of like a a typical female, right? Like I'm empathetic, for example, I'm extremely empathetic. And that has helped me so much in my role. So, so much, right? Because a lot of it is employee relations, right? You'll hear me say a couple things a lot of times. Um, Leaning in is a big thing. And again, I think it comes from my baseball talk. You know what I mean? Like when you take a pitch, the idea of you lean in and you take a pitch and then you get to walk to first base. Right. So sometimes in life, sometimes in life, you got to lean in. I'm an empathetic. Um, I'm an emotional, um, I'm a caring person. How can I lean into that to be more successful in my job? Well, guess what? A big part of my job right now is being empathetic and caring and needing to connect with my colleagues. So that's helped me so much because it's not a fake, Hey, how are you doing? Right? Like, it's like a, how's your day been? I can see that, you know, maybe you're, you're not yourself today. Like, do you want to talk about it? Mm -hmm. Right. And having that be ingrained into who I am, maybe it's because I'm a woman, maybe it's because who I am. I don't, I don't really know at this point differences, but I've leaned into that. And, um, again, I'm very lucky where I work at invest Ottawa or 60% female, okay. 60% female. And that's typical for non-for-profits, right? percent, right. 40% male. Um, so we have a lot of strong women that are also helping other strong women succeed in their careers. So where I am at right now, um, I definitely have been leaning in. Right. And 
taking advantage of the fact that I'm a caring, empathetic, energized uh, young woman and um, making sure that it, I'm taking those, um, those characteristics that are built into my DNA and making that a reason why I'm more successful in my role. And one of the things I want to add in too, I know that so many women, you know, um, later on in their careers when they have kids and they have this gap in their resume, um, and they're like, I have a huge gap. Like I didn't gain any skills. Right. And I'm like, if you put anybody in a room with a two-year-old for more than an hour, (laughs) oh boy, they're going to tell you that it requires patience, Mm -hmm. right? You need to communicate. You need to stay calm. Like these are all transferable skills that, you know, and I don't even want to just say women, men can gain this from being with their kids too, but it's understanding transferable skills. And then again, leaning in and applying it to your, whatever role you're in. And my role is very applicable in HR. Having some of these skills has really allowed me to kind of level up. But, um, again, understanding transferable skills, even if it is raising a family, like I have huge, like huge respect for women who raise families because it shows that they're patient. They have to communicate. They got to negotiate with their kids. Like it's just all these things that you wouldn't think of, Mm -hmm. um, and positioning those transferable skills. Um, so I would definitely say that, you know, um, I'm in an organization that appreciates that I'm a woman. Um, but I don't feel as though they see me as Brown, young woman, cursy. They just see me as cursy. Um, and that's what I appreciate the most. Lean into who you are. Don't shy away from it. But kind of like a follow-up question to that yeah. then is, let's say you were still at, uh, you know, Pythian. And this is not to you know, point names at the organization. It is just typically a more male-dominated profession. Um, yeah. Typically. That's changing. But typically, it is right. So if you're a woman right now, you know, within a team like that, and you're listening to this, what are some things you can do to kind of shed, shed the labels and, you know, change kind of flip, yes. fl- flip the script, like you've done with so many other things. Yes. If you were still there, what would you be doing? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I would say if you're a woman in IT right now, kudos to you because you're a unicorn. And a lot of the times that, uh, and I say unicorn because you're hard to find. Right. Um, and, uh, again, as you mentioned, it's, it's a funnel problem, right? And a lot of it companies are doing what they can to encourage young women to go into STEM. Right. But the reality is from it grads or from STEM grads, it's just a percentage, right? There's more men, um, male going into, um, those types of uh, fields of study. Um, but what I would say, and this is something I've learned, you know, that is applicable for women. It's applicable of, for people of color, it's applicable for, you know, people in any that feel as though they're ostracized or they're categorized by who they are. Right. We are all human and we have so many um, commonalities and similarities. And I think that it's kind of like relationship building 101 is finding a commonality with somebody, right? And mm-hmm. showing somebody who you are as an individual, as Deepak, as Kersey, as opposed to young, brown, female, male, right? Show people who you really are and mm-hmm. build relationships with them so that they're not seeing you for the label that you have written across your head. Um, and I think that, you know, I was doing that a little bit at uh, Pythian and, you know, um, 
I was starting to, you know, understand, you know, these people are sports fans. So we'll talk about sports or uh, whatever the case is, finding those commonalities and building um, a deeper relationship often will, whether again, it's, um, you know, uh, gender or color, race, religion, when you have a genuine connection with someone, it's kind of hard to label them as anything other than who they are, their name. Yeah. No, that's so powerful. And to me, that that's the premise of my podcast. That's the whole reason I like I have this thing and I started this thing is because fundamentally, we're all humans at the end of the day. And we're, I feel like, and this is not just some superpower that I have or anything. I feel like I, if I sit down in front of anybody and I have an hour with them, I'm going to find some things that we can relate on. For we, sure. We will be able to relate on some things. We, when it boils down to it, we all fundamentally want the same things, which is health, wealth, happiness, and like lack of suffering for ourselves and our families. Obviously, it manifests in different ways. And, you know, like you said, we might look different, different race, different jobs, different, all these different differences. But I think there's enough people out there focusing on our differences. So I think it's important yeah. to also focus on how we're also the same. So kind of the next topic I wanted to move on because we are kind of running out of time where I think yeah. we're already near an hour, believe Damn. it or not, <laughs> yeah. um, is, is, uh, you know, when it comes to HR, human resources, I probably should have done a better job on my end at the beginning of this podcast, defining yeah. it. But one of the very um, you know, important functions that would relate to most people is trying to get a job. For sure. I'm trying to get a job. I'm trying to get hired, man. I just need a job. Like, help me. Kirsty, you're, this is you. This is your role. Help me out. Uh, kind of before I let you just go, because I'm sure you could just go on this topic. Yeah. I will say that I read an article that you posted on LinkedIn, which yes. is helping, um, you know, new, new grads at networking events and stuff. And I found it hilarious. It was so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not only did it provide a lot of value, but it was also kind of funny because there was this one suggestion you had in there and it was like, don't follow up your handshake with please hire me. Yes. So, I didn't think that this is even something that people do because it sounds so ridiculous, but you wouldn't have wrote it if that were true. So talk to us about some of the things people can do, you know, to help their chances of, you know, getting a job, you know, out of university first, and then we'll talk kind of more generally how you can get a job. Absolutely. And um, it was funny. I got that feedback from a lot of different people saying, are you serious? Like people, people do that. And the reason why I was inspired to write that article was because I had attended a Telfer student networking event and I thought, Oh my God, those events. <laughs> right. And you know, I love to give back. I think it's so important, um, to give back, especially Telfer, you know, um, I was there one day, I once upon a time. Um, but these were a lot of the things that I was seeing. And I thought, this can't be happening. Like this cannot be happening. Um, I need to, I need to do something. I just wish I could just write this on a sticky and give it to everybody before they walked in the door type of thing. Right. So that's why I was inspired to write that article. So, um, for new grads, I believe that was your first question. New grads looking for positions and, um, trying to navigate. Right. Um, I don't think that this is a surprise to anybody. And if you would ask anybody in Ottawa networking, 
Ottawa is such a small town and, um, you know, we joke that there's like a certain degrees of separation between everybody in this city, right? It's so small when it comes to the network. So getting yourself out there and building a reputation and brand for yourself is huge. Now for, and I I think I made a comment for introverts. I am an introvert, believe it or not. I'm an introvert. Hard for me to believe, but... (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm a social introvert, but it can be so intimidating to go to networking events, right? But again, I say this, it's everything when it comes to meditation, when it comes to networking, it's a muscle that you need to build, right? Mm -hmm. Your first networking event, you're not going to leave. Well, you might, but you might not also leave with 10 offers, right? It's going to be awkward and you're going to fumble and you're going to accidentally shake someone's hand awkwardly, or, (sighs) you know, you're going to be sitting there silent you know, it's practice, 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 but networking is a huge way for you to, and, um, I have this kind of, um, proverbial, um, saying you're cutting the line, right? Because when, as a recruiter, when I'm hiring, I post a position and I get flooded with resumes, right? Um, and if I were to even look at your resume, like I am not able to see the person that you are. I'm not able to see your communication skills. I'm not able to see that you're a hard worker. I'm not really able to see any of these things that you have a good personality that you're, you know, good at talking to people. I can't see all that. I see a paper, right? So how do you cut the line? You go to networking events. And if you're if your dream is to work at Invest Ottawa or to work at Shopify or to work wherever, go meet people where they're at, right? Go to events where you know that people from that company are working. And as creepy as it sounds, try to go talk to them, right? Like go talk to them and build that first impression, you know, have good questions. Don't go up to them and say, hi, I'm Kirsi Maharaj. Are you hiring? right? Um, ask a meaningful question like, Hey, I noticed on your LinkedIn that you're also a U Ottawa grad. Like, how did you get to where you are? Why did you pick U Ottawa? Right? Like, how did you enjoy, did you take, you know, everybody takes Matt Archibald's presentations class, right? Like, how'd you do like, you know, ask a question, start a conversation. And when you're at a networking event, again, that's a really good opportunity for you to skip the line when you are, um, applying to jobs, but you're also giving a experience to a name because I can tell you I have students right now that still reach out to me and I'll look at their name and I'll be like, Oh my God, that's the person that I had that hilarious conversation about, um, you know, West Indian food in Ottawa at that networking event. Yes. When he wants to apply to a job, yes, I'm going to pick up the phone. Cause I remember that he was able to hold an engaging conversation and he was motivated and he did his research. Right. Mm-hmm. So creating a lasting impression at networking events. Um, I think I embedded like four different comments into that, but networking events are a really good opportunity for you to do a little bit of research, figure out, you know, who is going to be at what event, go talk to them, leave a lasting impression, be curious, ask questions, and then follow up and say, Hey, can I connect with you on LinkedIn? I know that, you know, potentially you don't have, um, roles posted right now, but I would love to, uh, follow invest Ottawa and you, um, and potentially work with you one day down the line. Like that's a great exit, right? right. Um, so that's what I would encourage people as a first, um, kind of stab at, um, looking to, uh, find a career or, or um, a job after, uh, school. 
creating that human connection. You're dealing with humans at the end of the day. These are not robots. And they will remember you if you do something to be remembered. Just be remembered for the right reasons. Um, sure. <laughs> that's, that's powerful. Uh, and then kind of, obviously, this is way too general of a question for you to really answer. But, you know, just generally speaking, a lot of people are often looking for jobs and are sending resumes to a lot of people. I think, I think you know, past the obvious things, you know, writing a cover letter and actually, you know, tailoring your resume to the job, you know, kind of the obvious things that people already know. Mm-hmm. What are some things that stick out to you when someone sends their resume? Let's say, let's say it's me. Let's say I'm sending yeah. my resume to Invest Ottawa. Uh, yeah. what, what, it, what would be on there that could help me as opposed to the next person get a, a role? You know, what are some general things that could kind of help me out? Absolutely. You'd introduced a topic, um, reverse engineering, right? Um, earlier on. And I think that applications, the more, and this is why I share what I share, the more that you can understand what the person who is reviewing your application is doing their mindset, what they're looking for, the better you can tailor your resume, your cover letter, whatever it is, your application to be picked up, right? The, re- the reality is, um, because we don't use, I don't use screening tools. I've never used a screening tool to screen out people based on words. The reality is that even at I, the government, at the government, no, we, we didn't. And, and no in, my, in my process, we didn't, but that was like, I don't want to date myself, but that was some time ago. Fair enough. I was but, trying to call BS, but I got, <laughs> you, you got me there too. Okay. Continue. No. Sorry. I've never, I can honestly say scouts honor that I've never used a screening tool. So the reality behind that is, is that if I dedicate an hour to review resumes and I have a hundred applications, do the math, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I only have a certain amount of time to be captivated by your resume, uh, before I go mm, next. Right. And, and that sounds so terrible because we're dealing with people, right? Like you're not just a piece it's of just the reality. You don't have to apologize for it. It's just the reality. That's the reality. So what I say is, again, do a little bit of homework. Like if you're, and nothing drives me more crazy than the, you know, this is my resume and I just just shoot it out everywhere, right? Tailor Mm. your resume because it will pay dividends, right? If you tailor your resume specifically to the organization that you're applying for do a little bit of homework, right? There, it's no surprise that if you were to go to Invest Ottawa or any other organization in Ottawa or even around the globe, they have information about their corporate values, about the work that they're doing. And um, you can gain a sense of that, that culture, right? You can gain a sense of that culture and like strategically embedding that into your resume will also help. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would say do that research. Um, but also I, I love like fun resumes, right? Like I love getting a resume. Um, and, um, let me take a step back. Fun resume is great job postings, right? If I'm applying to a job posting, the way that it works when I'm looking and screening is I have that job in mind. Right. And I have, you know, some of the essential skills that are required for that role. If you don't spell that out to me, like if we're hiring for an AP position right now, an accounts payable position right now, and clearly we're looking for X many years of accounts payable, we're looking for experience with Excel and different softwares. 
if you don't spell that out to the person that is reviewing your resume, guess what? They're not going to assume anything. They're not going to say, you know what? They likely know how to use this because of this. No, right? Let's take a chance on this person. Like, what? No, right? It's next. So there's no surprises. Look at that job description and tailor the crap out of your resume to look exactly, um, or to have those check marks, okay? They're looking for somebody with experience in this check. I have that in my, in my, uh, job description or in, in my previous role, right? Really matching that to the job description. Right. And again, I don't tell people to lie, right? Don't make up that you've done a bunch of different things, but mirroring it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. What it is that they're looking for is, is huge. Um, but then the other thing I was going to say is, is having a little bit of fun with your resume, especially for people that are in marketing or, um, you know, in sales or even for myself, I remember one of the resumes I put together just for fun. Um, I put it on Canva and I put, um, you know, pink and orange to really just show that I have this crazy personality, right? Like you would look at it and be like, okay, that, that girl has some color to her, right? Like it represents me. And I remember I put this headline across it instead of just saying, you know, Kirsi Maharaj, HR business professional, right? I wrote, um, attempting to change the way people see HR one day at a time. Um, and I was like, that's what I want to do, right? Like, I don't want to be, you know, a meme or, um, be a reference from the office. And that really set me apart. So when someone's looking through resumes, okay, that looks kind of interesting. I'm going to take a look, right? Yeah you have 30 seconds to sell me mm-hmm. to want me to take a look at your second page and look through your resume. So I definitely say, um, taking advantage of those 30 seconds, tailoring your application to both the job and the, uh, organization is huge. I love that. That's so, that's so strong because me personally on some jobs that I've been applying to some things I've been doing is, um, a video cover letter or, or something like, uh, you know, actually showing your portfolio or your website and things that you've actually done. Because if, you know, you you can't communicate who you are on a resume, you just, you you, like, you can, you got to get, you got to, if you're curious, if I've given you enough to look one step further from my resume by doing the things you just said, okay, Mm -hmm. well now what? There's a hundred other people who are thinking kind of the same. So how do I set myself apart even further? You know, video resumes is one, like like all kinds of, like whatever you could do that shows that, hey, uh, if I'm willing to go this extra mile on this application, we'll just wait till you hire me. Like I'm, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So your personality. Think, exactly. So those kinds of things help a, a lot. Kirstie, I hate to cut this podcast short. I'm sure we could go here for hours. Um, yeah. This is this has been an incredibly valuable conversation. Like people are going to get so much out of this, uh, but we are already basically running out of time. I was going to say of, the sun's gone down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's dark in that room now. Good thing we I put know. that light on. Um, <laughs> One kind of final thought before we move into our lightning round is uh, what's next for you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm the type of person, I think um, I have goals in, in many different 
uh, facets of my life. Um, I'm working towards my certification. So I'll have my CHRP hopefully um, uh, in progress, if not done by next year. So that's a big goal for me. Um, continuing to uh, learn in my uh, role at work is also big. So I'm taking some courses for me. Um, and in my personal life, again, as I mentioned, um, it's a journey. So I'm going to continue to meditate. I'm going to continue to build my practice and, um, you know, deal with the highs and lows of, of life, uh, and really just embrace it and to continue to, uh, navigate it the best as possible. I love that. Let's yeah. move into our lightning round. I'm going to ask okay. you five questions. Uh, ah, they're, okay. <laughs> they're not that deep. Don't worry. They're, you know, some of them might be though, uh, okay. but uh, try okay. to answer them quick, but don't, don't stress about it. Like answer okay. it however. Okay. Um, what is one piece of advice you would give to 17 year old Kersey? Oh, um, trust the process. Love it. If you could dispel one myth about human resources, what would it be? Ooh, you do not. And I tell myself this every day. You do not need to hide your personality to be a professional HR uh, staff. Like you do not need to hide who you are. Love it. Um, what superhero would you be if you could be a superhero? Oh, Wonder Woman, obviously. Wonder Woman, love it. <laughs> <laughs> I had an idea, but you never know. Um, what's your favorite restaurant in the Ottawa area? Oh my goodness, that's so tough. Um, I think off the top of my head, uh, the Soka Kitchen. Okay. Um, it is um, kind of in Hintonburg. Amazing, I believe it's Peruvian food, delicious. Sounds amazing. Uh, and then kind of the final question to end this podcast off is, how would you like people to remember you? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, someone asked me that in the last year, um, but it was in a little bit of a different way. They're like, what would you want somebody to say at your eulogy or be written on your tombstone? I find um, that a little dark to end it off. So I say I, 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 I rephrased it a little bit. <laughs> I saw that you took that piece of advice that I gave earlier on. I appreciate that. You tell <laughs> exactly. Um, honestly, I think that... Um, the biggest thing that I would want people to remember me about, remember me for is my big heart. Like I uh, put my heart into everything that I do. Um, and I want to be remembered for leaving an impact on my community, on the lives of the people that, you know, come in and out of my life. Uh, and for my big heart, that's really um, the lasting impression that I want to leave. And, and I'm confident that you will. That's so awesome. I, I've learned so much in this podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Tell people where they can find you and connect with you. Absolutely. So I would definitely say uh, LinkedIn is where I'm most active from a professional standpoint. So please feel free to uh, send me a request, uh, follow, connect. Uh, I'd appreciate that. And then for also people who are interested in following my journey, um, I do have socials in terms of Instagram and Twitter. It's just my name. There's not many other Kursi Maharajas out there. Uh, so I get that handle. So absolutely, please feel free to connect with me on whatever channel makes the most sense for you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the It's Not That Deep podcast. For access to exclusive articles and content, please head over to www.itsnotthatdeeppodcast.com. And to help me grow this thing to the next level, here's what I need you to do. Go ahead and subscribe to my podcast on all platforms, wherever you listen, and share with all your friends and family on all social media. And please leave a rating as well. Remember, it's not that deep.